Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. It is the first week of May, and I am thrilled to be kicking off this month with my friends, um, Susan Shepard Carlson, former First Lady of Minnesota, fierce advocate, a tireless hero for the FASD community, and my new friend, Jen Wisdahl, who is also a part of NOFAS, the National Organization of Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. Uh, she is a parent advocate, she is an advocate, and she is involved in this new legislation that we are getting momentum on, the FASD Respect Act. So Susan, welcome back to FASD Hope. Jen, welcome to FASD Hope. Well, thanks, Natalie. It's a pleasure to be back. It seems like a lifetime ago. And I know, and it was only a few months. <laughs> I know, I know. And Jen, welcome. I'm, I'm so thrilled because I, I love that you have both this professional experience now with working with NOFAS, and then you have the lived experience of being a, a parent advocate. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm thrilled about today's topic, the FASD legislation update, because when this gets momentum, we need to get people excited about this because you know, honestly, since COVID, this is probably the closest that we've had to, to getting this, you know, we're, we're getting this closer and closer to where it needs to go. So we're going to talk today about um, the FASD Respect Act. We're going to talk about um, just some of the components, some updates from last time. Susan was here back in, in February. And then also, most importantly, how you, our audience members, can be involved and help out in, in getting this important legislation passed. Susan, let's just talk about some updates since our last episode in February. Well, as I said, it seems like a lifetime ago because a lot has happened, but we still don't have a bill yet. And that's actually a good thing because what's been happening since we last visited is we've had a ton of meetings around the country, virtually, of course, I haven't been traveling, with advocates, uh, professionals. We've had, I believe, over uh, met with over uh, 20 different states. Um, and Jen can talk a little bit. We had a, have a very laser-focused strategy on the bill. Jen and I have worked really well together. I'm the legislative guru, and she I'll give her the substance, and then she'll take it and market it. So, so since then, like I said, we've been meeting with all the advocates, and it, what it's allowed us to do is to really look at the bill that was introduced last time and make sure that what we're doing this time is the best bill that could possibly be for the, the field in general. And so coming up will be the final deadline for input, and then we will have it go to the agencies that are affected in the bill for what we call technical assistance. So they can tell us, we can do this, we can't do it, take this out, whatever. And then it'll come back, it will be put into legislative form for a bill introduction. And 
once the bill gets introduced, then uh, we're going to go out full blast with having advocates contact their uh, senators and House of Representatives members for support. So that's kind of where it's at. I'm liking the bill a lot more. One of the things that we did, and it was, I think I was having a conversation with Jen, and Jen and I have a lot of conversations. <laughs> we have a definition of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders in the bill. And, you know, we keep hearing that FASD is not considered a disabling condition under IDEA and other uh, avenues for services. And so I thought, well, why can't we just upfront say that this is a developmental disability? And there's, you know, Congress saying that, so it'll make it easier for the field to, to have those changes either in the states or in Congress the next go around. So that is the, the, was one of the first main changes that we put in the bill. And we've now put appropriations in the bill for each section. And I, that was a very confusing piece, I think, for advocates because we just had an overall appropriation and some of the parts of the bill were existing agency functions that were not really changing, but people thought that we were gonna, the money was gonna go for them. So now we've, we've done that and uh, we're putting more clarity around that. So advocates will have a better understanding exactly what the bill does and how it might affect them. Kind of the, the approach that we've taken with this is, and this goes back to the logo of the house for the FASD Respect Act. This bill, like a foundation of a house, each piece uh, in, in the bill, so the, the part where we give funding to the Department of Education for developing training for teachers and clarifying that FASD is considered um, under IDEA, other health impairment, but it's building that framework and building that foundation so that we can build on top of that and go further after this bill is passed. So it's not just passing one bill and having it be done. It's building a, a really rock solid foundation with, you know, a corner piece of having um, state systems of care involved where we're uh, providing funding for state um, coordination, but making sure that that doesn't take up all of the funding and that there's funding out there for parent advocacy groups and there's funding out there for increasing diagnostic capacity. But it's really thinking these things through and being, again, very deliberate and very um, laser focused, again, on how do we build the best foundation possible. Yeah, and I just want to add to that, Natalie. Um, one of the biggest sections of the bill, I feel, for the field is providing a framework for our, uh, for our states. Because, and this became more apparent as we met with a lot of uh, advocates and professionals around the country, there really isn't very many states that have a framework for looking at this field. And it's kind of left out of the equation. And we hear that over and over again, they may have uh, system of care for those uh, women who uh, use opioids or children that are exposed to opioids, but alcohol, prenatal alcohol exposure has been left out of that equation. So we're providing that framework for states and we're giving funding to the states 
to do a advisory group task force that will develop the state plan, funding for a state coordinator and funding to administer that with input from a wide range of community professionals, parents, the agencies uh, that are affected. I mean, even in Minnesota, we had that idea at the beginning and that and we lost that. And so the state agencies need to be involved because they're the ones that deliver the systems of care. We're not going to just say you have to do FASD. You have to figure out how FASD fits into that system of care. And what do we mean by system of care? That means children that are in the foster care system, children that are in the juvenile justice system, children that are being screened early on uh, before school, in the medical system, the mental health system, the substance abuse system. These are all systems of care. And it's taking those systems of care and putting FASD into that system of care. And not just stopping at children. We have things in there for adults as well. So it's building those systems of care throughout the states. And and even that that house logo, that house analogy still applies to the states because we're giving them the tools that they need to be successful in in implementing that. And that gives me hope as a parent advocate because so many parents who contact us at FASD Hope and then just so many parents that I've met over the years, we go to the states for our care for the, you know, where do we go to get our child diagnosed? Where do we go for, you know, support groups? Where do we go? So it's really important to have that infrastructure in the States as well as on the national level too. So that's great to hear that this bill supports the States as well as organizing things on a national level. So that's wonderful. Jen, can you outline for us, let's talk about the FASD Respect Act, because it, it, it really has transformed since I last spoke with Susan in February. So let's just talk about its development and how it's going now. Well, um, <laughs> it is slow but steady. And, and I think that's the right approach when you're building something like this. I, I think that we've, again, and Susan's already said this, but we, we've taken a lot of input from family members. I I myself am the parent to three individuals with FASD. I have their permission to share that. Um, And so I really love how, when we're looking at this bill, we've been looking at it through multiple eyes. We've been looking at it through the eyes of somebody who has been involved in the judicial and the legal system, Susan. And, And she's really Uh, taking that focus. We've been looking at it through the eyes of people who've been involved in government and been involved in, say, for example, the Centers for Excellence in the past and and taking their advice and and talking to them about how uh, this bill should be shaped. We've been talking to parents and family members. Um, That's one of the biggest pieces of my job is connecting with Uh, parent advocates and uh, even with individuals with FASD uh, about how they can advocate for this. And then what do they think about it? How do they feel about it? Where do they feel that there are needs? And where do they feel, uh, given what was proposed last time for this bill, uh, we need to see some changes. So uh, for example, based on feedback we've had, we're looking at um, adding in that definition that Susan talked about. Um, looking at adding in evidence-based practice 
as well as practice-based evidence uh, in terms of uh, looking at programs that could be funded under this. So I, I think it's very collaborative. It's a top-down, bottom-up approach. Uh, and, and that's something that we really need to be looking at moving forward because, and, and I say this a lot, is this bill going to solve every problem that we have as parents of individuals with FASD or as individuals with FASD? No, it's not. But what it is going to do is build that framework. And the next step beyond looking at this bill is looking at state infrastructure and really working with the states to make sure that they get it and that they are lobbying to get this funding. So it's it's kind of a um, an exciting task to get everyone together and really be working in the same direction because oftentimes as a parent, you can feel very hopeless. You can feel very um, challenged because uh, you might live in an area where there is a diagnostic desert. Um, <laughs> you might live in an area where there's a service desert or an understanding desert. Um, and so uh, having the, the ability to be able to advocate on behalf of something that you know will impact your children in a positive way, um, transition services uh, for adults. I mean, I have a, my oldest just turned 18. How is he going to cope with the rest of his life? Where is he going to live? How is he going to maintain? And so knowing that there's things built into the bill for that is, is really encouraging to me. The other thing I really like is sprinkled throughout the bill is FASD informed. Um, that's something that we don't hear often in the, uh, the parenting world. Um, we, we don't get FASD informed services or care or support. Usually it's us doing the FASD informing. Um, so uh, I really like that we've included that in the language of the bill. Yeah, I think, uh, I know it's difficult for those that are not policy wonks and don't understand acronyms in the federal government and what federal government can do and how it can make a difference. Uh, and Jan has been wonderful because she takes, you know, what I, you know, I'm the systems person, I'm the policy wonk and, you know, I understand it, but she breaks it down so the parents can understand it. But I think fundamentally what it's going to do is change the dynamic of how this disability is recognized in our communities and in our systems of care. And one of the things uh, that uh, it was a quote that was in the task force report when I that I was part of with my husband's administration. And this was a she was my co-chair. She was a juvenile court uh, judge at the time. Uh, now she's a chief. Uh, she's in the federal district court. And this was her quote. And I think this gets gets to trying to break it down so everybody can understand it. And she says, when government intervenes in the lives of families, it carries a special burden to act productively. Interventions that do not work are not only a waste of time, money, and effort, they are a waste of human potential. We owe it to those who have already been victimized and who may victimize others to use the knowledge we have to stop the multi-generation damage reduce the secondary effects of the disability and make actual progress. It's a matter of justice. 
And I think that to me boils it down to why, you know, parents and professionals and, and all of our members of our community need to uh, support this. It just, you bringing up such a, a valid point in this legislation is that this is such a systemic issue and we need to go right down to the foundation and, and, you know, there's decades of injustice of in service, you know, of, of not being represented of this disability being treated punitively rather than treated as a disability should be, which is right. accommodation supports and services. So I, I really, wow, that, that, that's such amazing insight. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, so as, as a parent, um, just like Jen, as a, as a parent and a parent advocate, our son is also, um, he will be 19 this year. So we're in that transition phase too. Let's talk about some specifics about how this bill will help, you know, families and loved ones and those living with an FASD. Okay. There's a couple of sections in the bill and what these sections are, are developing what I would call best practices in how systems of care should deal with in transitions. So there's a section for funding. It's not going to, you know, give funding to everybody in the country for transitions, but it's going to provide that blueprint on how it should be done so that uh, states, local communities, uh, they can be replicated. And, And so there's a section on transition and there's Uh, And that'll be through, this is another acronym, through SAMHSA. And uh, it's uh, respite care, uh, which I know there's current federal funding for respite care, but it's dismally not enough money. And there's another, you know, there's other legislation that deals with beefing that up. But this would be a pilot program and how you work all the the programs together. And, And they're all going to be considered what Jen called FASD informed. And then there's a section uh, on services for individuals. So it's going to, they're going to develop an FASD informed plan uh, and it's going to be FASD informed mental health counseling, substance abuse, uh, vocational services, health counseling, housing assistance, parenting skills training, case management, all the services around uh, a, an individual with FASD and the most effective uh, as we navigate through our, our various systems of care. As I mentioned, the, uh, respite care. And I think one of the most important things that, I, that we added from the last bill was recruit, train, and provide mentors for individuals with FASD. And that was one of the things from Ann Strike's Goose book that I took as a big takeaway that if a mentor could be a, a life changer for a person with FASD, a positive mentor. And we've heard stories all over. So that's, that's the one section that uh, is just for individuals with FASD. I really like the, uh, the portion on education because I know education is an area that so many families struggle with. You know, I, I hear it daily. And so even the little piece about um, just confirming that FASD is covered under IDEA, IDEA 
Um, that is huge. It's giving funding for the Department of Education to develop best practices in teaching individuals with FASD and to disseminate that information out to the state boards of education so that, um, you know, we, our children will be receiving hopefully an FASD informed education or at, at bare minimum, their educators will have heard about FASD and, and just be aware of what it is. Um, that in and of itself, I think is going to be stigma reducing because if, it, if they're going to a professional development day on uh, their teacher is on FASD, that's a big wake up from seeing a child as a behavior problem and seeing them as a child with a disability. And that is a huge stress relief for parents to have that. So that literally is my favorite part of the bill. <laughs> and again, as a parent advocate, it's so exciting for me to hear all of this, especially as it's developing and we're thinking about things that may have been overlooked. So having the time to go over the bill and, and watch it progress and watch it develop, it, it is so hopeful. You know, I, I really feel like, you know, we're, we're in this, it's going to be a while, but we're in this stretch where we can really make this a first step of hopefully many steps in, in getting FASD recognized as a brain-based whole body disability, getting FASD informed, not only individuals, but communities, schools, professionals, um, and, and just hearing all of this. Um, we're releasing this in the beginning of May, uh, which is Foster Care Awareness Month. And we know that there is a significant amount of kids, teens, youths that are in foster care that have an FASD. Are there any highlights or, or supports that this bill will provide for those kids and families affected uh, in the foster care system? Well, and that was one specific area that I had a big interest in because of my experience in juvenile court. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure that training and understanding of those uh, professionals in the child welfare system was, a, was up front and center. So as you go through the bill, if you, you know, feel like reading it, uh, you'll see training and screening to get best practices for the child welfare system and education of, of child welfare workers and foster parents, all the players in the child welfare system, because I just don't think that our systems are doing service for uh, foster parents, adoptive parents, when they don't let those parents understand what the disability is. And so training is a big piece in the bill all throughout the section and the state plan uh, will have to include that as well. And, and that and it's, and it's a system of care and looking at health determinants. So not just looking through one lens, but an entire lens of health determinants, you know, if there's trauma, whatever is going on. And so so I think what comes out of the state systems of care will be much more friendly to children in the foster care system, as well as those caregivers in the child welfare system. That is so reassuring. And again, we're, we're taking this bill that is not only addressing FASD as the brain-based whole body disability, but going systemically through education, 
foster care, recognizing that we need to have disability person first, um, best practice, you know, uh, of care. So that, that is wonderful. Um, before we talk about how we can get listeners and everybody, uh, rallied up and, and involved, can we just quickly talk about, um, next steps down, you know, we're, we're airing this in the beginning of May. What are some steps happening for, uh, the rest of, let's say the summer and the fall of 2021? What are, what are just some things that, you know, we have to look forward to as this bill progresses? Okay, the next step will will be to get the language finalized. Once the language finalized, we will uh, the bill will get introduced, and from that point until we have it heard in committee will be the time when we reach out to national groups as well as advocates in the states, and to develop a broad based uh, support. Uh, for the bill. And so if you're particularly in those, we have key, what we call key states. uh, And those are, those are the ones we've been focusing on right now. And those are uh, the policy committee that the bill is going to go to and the appropriations committees, because it's a two-step process. We have to get the bill passed in the policy committee first, and then it goes to the appropriations committee. Uh, And the bill could change from the time it's introduced. I mean, we've seen how it's changed from now, from when I last talked to you until now. So it could be changed, hopefully for the better and more money. I mean, we actually are putting more money than we originally put in. Uh, and the more we talk to members of Congress and member and staff members, we're, we're getting a lot of support. And I must thank all of the uh, parent advocates. They have been marvelous. Uh, and so it, we're hoping May, middle of May to late May for introduction, and then sometime a committee hearing between then and um, September. Now, August, Congress takes an August recess, so if it's going to happen, it's going to ha- happen in June or July. We've met, we've met with uh, staff members from the both the policy committees in the House and Senate, and they were very favorable. I mean, there's a lot of I don't know, there's politics involved and there's substance and you have to figure out both uh, when you're doing this. It's an art. Uh, And then we'll have the hearing, hopefully uh, get it passed and then it'll go to the floor. Um, So yeah, so it's meetings, meetings, meetings. We've got uh, lots of meetings coming up in the the next couple of weeks uh, with staff from these committees and Congress. We actually have a meeting with Senator Collins. Uh, We had a meeting with uh, uh, Representative Ronnie Jackson from Texas, who's a doctor. Uh, Fabulous meeting. Uh, And he's going to talk to, he's chair of the doctor's caucus in in the House. And so he's going to talk to members of his caucus. We've had meetings with another doctor from Jen State, the state of Washington, uh, Representative uh, Schreier. Schreier, yeah. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's been a lot of work, but it's also, I've really enjoyed it. And I've, I love working with Jen. She's uh, has enormous amount of energy and enthusiasm and creativity. And and that's a very good blend um, with what's going, what we're doing. That's terrific. That's terrific. So 
we're building excitement. It, it could be we're, we're in that final stretch. Things are gaining momentum. There is hope out there for everyone who is listening. There is hope out there for this legislation, which, again, as, as a parent advocate, that just makes me so excited and so thankful. So now the, the, the big question is, how do we get our listeners on board to help, to help the momentum, to help, you know, what are some things our listeners can do to help get this bill passed? I think a a key thing to know is it really doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. This is a bipartisan issue. And we have bipartisan support from the most liberal to the most conservative and everywhere in between. So um, this is a humanity issue. This is a person issue, not a political issue. Right now, as Susan said, we're really laser focused on the representatives and the senators from the key committees and appropriations. And so we've been reaching out, I've been reaching out actively to parent advocates and organizations in those states to uh, set meetings and really talk about FASD uh, in its human form and convince them that, yes, we need to support this in committee. Um, We've developed some tools and some trainings to do that. And really, my role with NOFAS is to bring people together and give them the tools and empower them to feel like they can do that. So next step, once uh, the bill is formally introduced and we have a bill number, we will want to be plastering the country with um, requests for support to our senators and our representatives. And to do that, we are going to be providing email templates, backup documentation that you can send with, uh, ways to look up who your senator and representative are, trainings. Uh, We have a a Facebook page, uh, FASD Respect Act Champions, uh, that I post on every Friday with an update and provide some materials on that. We have our monthly training calls uh, with the policy and training team. Uh, That's the uh, third Wednesday of the month. We're building out the NoFast Policy webpage so that we have not only information on the bill itself, the FASD Respect Act, and how to get that passed, but also information on what's going on in your state and how you can connect with your state. Because before, remember, we were talking about the top-down, bottom-up approach, how you can connect with your state and how we can empower people to find out what's going on in their state and make sure that once this bill is passed, because we're going to get it passed, uh, once this bill is passed, then the states are taking advantage of this in a way that supports our families, our children, and our loved ones. So um, we're hoping to have that website uh, up and going here shortly. And yeah, just lots of updates. (laughs) So uh, it's exciting stuff. It's thrilling to be able to work um, at something that is so near and dear to my heart. And, And just to hear the passion of the people involved and be able to have a small role in connecting them. And I see this on on a daily basis, how we're connecting and we're growing as 
as a group and as a movement. And um, it's exciting to see that. You can just feel, I have goosebumps right now talking about it. You can feel this groundswell of energy and, and excitement towards change. And I, I think empowering people for change is, is where we go next. So keep your eyes open for um, updates on our FASD Respect Act Facebook page. Uh, when we have new materials available, we'll put them there. Um, you can sign up for email updates on the No Fast Policy and Training Center page um, and just put in your email address and I will email you whenever we have an update there. Um, so there's lots of ways to get that information, but most of all, um, I'm available. Email me, call me. Uh, if you have a question and you want to get involved, connect with me. I want to connect with you and I want to connect you to ways that you can help move this bill forward. I want to empower you with that. And Jen, can you share, you know, the website, the information, your email information? We will be posting this in our program notes, but can you share that information so that folks can, can go ahead and um, go ahead and contact you? Absolutely. Um, so my email address is wisdahl, W-I-S-D-A-H-L at nofast.org. The, um, uh, the website is www dot nofas.org and we're under the policy and training center tab once the new website is up and running it'll be located in the same place so you won't have to go anywhere different i'm just going to pull up my nofas phone number because i don't have that memorized yet <laughs> it's 202-601-2530 um, so you're welcome to contact me there and um yeah, if you have questions about how to get involved, if you have questions about what you can do in your state, um, I'm here to connect you. And that's so exciting. Again, I keep using the word exciting in this episode, but not only is the legislation exciting, but Jen, that you're this contact person for, you know, for people to reach out and connect and learn how they can do that. I, I'm just so happy that you're on board with, with this amazing, um, this amazing legislation that you're absolutely right. This will be passed. We will make this bill pass and, and it will be the start of many steps, you know, for, um, just having FASD recognized as, as what it is and providing families and, and those living with an FASD supports and services so that they can have the best life that they can. On that note, you both know that I like to end our episodes on a hope takeaway, which is uh, words of hope that um, anyone who's listening, uh, those living with an FASD, parents, caregivers, anyone who's involved in the FASD community, um, words of hope for this journey, because we all know this journey in FASD is a, is a very hard and very challenging journey. But with this hope of this legislation coming that, you know, we can get started in the right direction. I have a lot of hope from this. So um, Susan, let's start with you. What are some words of hope that you can give to our listeners about the upcoming uh, moves and, and momentum in this legislation? Well, Natalie, I just want to say I've been on this journey for, I was figuring probably about a quarter of a century, and that seems like a long time. And I've never been as hopeful as I am today based on all the connections we've made 
and hearing a lot of the same stories, but more importantly, having those stories heard by people that can make a difference or, or staff that can, and a lot of times it's staff really that, that drives things on, on Capitol Hill. But this is, you know, I've done this, you know, a couple of years ago I did it and I, it was like banging my head against the wall. It's like, you guys don't understand. But now we've got the heart coming together with the head and we're all connected and it's, and it's happening. Um, and I've never been more hopeful in this field than I have in the last uh, 25 years. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And Susan, again, thank you so much for all of the work and, and just everything you've done for this, you know, for the FASD community. We are just so, so appreciative. And Jen, you are fierce and you are this wonderful advocate. And I just have so much respect for you because you are a mom of three that have an FASD and, and we both know this momming, you know, kids or now, you know, young adults with FASD is, is, is a very challenging road, but what words of hope can you share with our listeners from your perspective? I kind of want to piggyback off what Susan said. Um, we do that a lot. I find <laughs> hope for all the connections that we're building. So many times this is a very lonely journey for individuals with FASD, for families of individuals with FASD. And out of this is coming connectivity and the fact that you are not alone. You are not the only person going through this. You are not the only person experiencing this. And if all we did, if all we did was build connection, even if this bill never got passed, those connections give me hope. Those connections give me purpose. And those connections give hope for a future for my children that will be far easier for them. And again, exciting is the, is the word that I'm using for this episode because it, it really is wonderful to hear the momentum, the progress, and, uh, and the hope that is in this legislation. So former first lady of Minnesota and fearless, tireless FASD advocate, Susan Shepard Carlson and Jen Wisdall, parent advocate, NOFAS member. And um, I, I'm speaking with both architects, Susan and Jen. Thank you again for being on FASD. Well, Natalie, thank you for giving us voice and uh, bringing parents along in the journey. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. All of the information you've heard today in today's episode will be in our program notes. Please go check it out and let's make a difference together. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.